0: Or at least it's all in my face. And, uh, and so we want to have a little fun. So I thought I would show, uh, if I knew how to do the hashtag thing, I would have sent this out to you. It's a hashtag funny wedding vi- pictures or something. So I went searching for some funny uh, wedding pictures. And so, uh, one, you know, when you're taking uh, pictures, sometimes people will photobomb you, right? There's a couple out. You can see them, little girls photobombing. Some of y'all have been photobombers in other people's wedding. Usually when, uh, when somebody kisses in those movies, the girl kicks her leg up, but not this guy. He, uh, he's got his leg kicked up, if we uh, get to it. So he's kicking his leg up, and somebody's got a surprise for him. They're holding his leg up, all right? And then uh, every now and then, people get a little bit mixed up. I wouldn't recommend this, at least before the reception, a kind of an upside-down kiss, uh, you know, I don't know. People do crazy things around weddings and wedding pictures. This guy uh, pulled his umbrella out and the wind picked up and off he goes, you know. So, um, now some people like golf a lot. This couple like golf way too much. I mean, you know, uh, she's got that, if you can't see it good, she's got a golf club. He's got the ball teed up in his mouth. There is nobody on earth I would let do that with a golf ball in my mouth. Uh, one of them likes golf just a little. Bit too much, and y'all can remember back when doing this used to be something. People would put spoons on their nose. Don't do that at your wedding, uh, in a reception. Uh, it's a, it's, it's not a good look. Um, so anyway, sometimes you, you know, you're always trying to find. I love it when little kids are in there, and this little kid's he's a he's he must be related to me. He said, "I want cake on on his." And so uh, it's hard to find good help. And 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 one of the fun things is watching when. People throw the bouquet. You've got some that are fighting for it and some that are fighting away from it, and this little girl outfought all the big little girls uh, for the wedding bouquet. I'm not sure it's a good good idea. Now, now, you know, one of the things that ends the reception is the guy's reaching up his bride's leg to pull the uh, garter down. Well, the father-in-law switched places with the groom, and so I don't know if he should run now. Or, if he should run in a minute, you know, but uh so anyway then then uh this next picture, y'all may recognize these people that's us uh at our wedding uh I couldn't find any funny ones. We had one of her in the car and and it looked like her nephew was getting her out, but that was really to keep her from running you know her when when you marry somebody whose favorite movie was runaway bride uh you know that was you know we had guards stationed at all the doors to make sure she stayed but so anyway. Well, pull your uh, notes out. We're calling this "From This Day Forward." Uh, it actually, uh, the idea for the sermon came from a book Craig Groschel wrote many years, several years ago, called "From This Day Forward." And and uh, if you want to get the book, you can get the book. It's a it's a good book, uh, and it and it the, the kind of comes from Lamentations. Now we're going to look at a verse in Lamentations. Now Jeremiah wrote the book of Jeremiah, and he wrote Lamentations. He's called the weeping prophet because Jeremiah doesn't have a whole lot of encouraging things in it Uh, you know he's usually saying God's going to destroy you if you don't do this and and so he wrote lamentations and it's basically a lament you know and so read with me in chapter 3 verse 19 he said I remember my afflictions and my wandering the bitterness and the gall now that just means he's got all these bitter memories so Jeremiah said I remember all the times that I've made bad decisions, I've been in bad situations, bad things have happened. He said, I remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. So he was depressed, okay? But then look at this in verse 21. Yet this I called to mind. So he thought, he brought this to his mind. And therefore, I have hope. Say it with me. Therefore, I have hope. And here's why he had hope. Because of the Lord's great love, We're not consumed. Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Guys, God loves you with a love that will never fail. And then he says this, his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Listen, God's mercies are new every morning. Listen to me. He is always, we serve a God who is always willing to give you a new morning a new morning. His compassions are new every morning. Whatever happened yesterday, tomorrow is a new day. His compassions are new every morning. He always gives you a chance to hit that restart button, to hit that repent and and, and turn back to Him. That's the kind of God we serve. So we're going to look at that. And in light of that, we want to ask this question and answer this question. Are great marriages possible? Now, some people say, yeah, they can watch a lot of movies and read a lot of books, and in the movies, everybody has a good good life, right? They don't have to go to work, but they got a lot of money. They have new cars, but they don't have a job to pay for the car, you know? They they look great, but that's because they've had a whole team of people putting their makeup on, doing their hair, and all that kind of stuff, and, and you know, and the guys have been working out for six months to look like they do just for that part, but they have a great life, Okay. Uh, you know, that's not really the case. Most people think that, well, maybe you can have decent relationships, but then you've got a segment of people that are just going, Man, I just want to survive. I just want to survive. So are great marriages possible? And I think they are, but let me tell you, the odds are stacked against you. And matter of fact, they aren't possible if you live like the rest of our culture lives. If you if you go about your marriage the way our culture does, you have probably a fifty-fifty chance of surviving. Uh, you know, I mean, that's about the divorce rate these days. And, and so let me ask you, you wouldn't go with those odds on anything. If I told you that uh, you, if you fly out and go out to Louis Armstrong Airport and you're going to fly, say, to Atlanta to watch the Saints beat the Falcons, and if they told you, look, this plane has a 50% chance of crashing, how many of you would get on it? I didn't see any hands go up. And, and, and so none of us would like those odds. If I said, hey, look, I've got this stock I want you to invest in there's a 50% chance you'll lose everything. Still no hands, okay? And, and so, look, we, we wanna, we wanna, I want to point out to you, why would you take those kind of odds in your relationships? You, wouldn't, you know, if, if you took a new job and they said, hey, look, you got a 50% chance we're going to fire you in the first week. <laughs> I'll go look somewhere else, you know? And, and, uh, and so we want to we improve those odds. And so uh, I believe we can improve those odds. If we say this from this day forward, uh, and we're going to commit to five things. Now, I'm going to give you the whole sermon series uh, one at a time, and we'll repeat them. But we're going to go through each of these. The first is if we say from this day forward, I will seek God. Write that down. We're going to talk about that today. That is the foundation of everything in life is seeking God first. You've got to have God as the foundation of your relationships, and it's number one essential. The second one is fight fair. And, uh, and so listen, you may think that, oh, we don't ever fight. I mean, even in Hallmark, they have the great misunderstanding. You know, it's about a 20 till. They have the, the end of the movie, they have a great misunderstanding. But here's the thing, fighting's inevitable. But the problem is today, we fight dirty. We fight dirty. We fight to destroy the other person and, and instead of fighting fair. And so uh, fighting is going to happen, but it doesn't have to be destructive. So we're going to learn that next week now. Fellas, the following week we're going to talk about having fun. Have fun. And uh and and so uh February 20th, mark your calendars. It's gonna be about romance, you know. And one of the things that we, we did um in the in the in the newlywed game was one of that questions one year was, What's your favorite song? And somebody said, Let's get it on. And uh and and so, you know, that's what we're gonna talk about that week. So all the guys, I just saw some of the guys going, man, I'm making it that week. I'm gonna be here, you know. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll have, that's, we do have children, we have tweens, and we have kids. You'll want to send them there on that week. So the following week, four, is going to be stay pure. Stay pure. Let me tell you, your relationship has no chance if you're not pure in that relationship. Number five, we're going to talk about never give up. You know, at some point, all of you said, till death do us part. Now, one lady said, well... I guess that means I can't, kill, I can't divorce him, but I can kill him. That's not what this is talking about. It's, uh, you know. But uh, I know that's been a thought with some. So say these with me. Seek God. We're going to seek God. We're going to learn to fight fair. We're going to have fun. Some amen from the guys. We're going to stay pure, and we're going to never give up. So today, that's what's coming. But today, we're going to talk about this. From this day forward, write it down, I will seek God. And that comes, you know, that comes from a scripture where Jesus is teaching on a lot of things, and all of a sudden, Jesus says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, let's look at that verse. We always talk about that verse and the idea of giving and stuff like that. It goes with relationships. It goes with every area of your life. If you seek the kingdom of God above all else, in other words, I've got a all things God as my priority. And when you do that, God's going to get involved and he's going to do miraculous things. Because, look, it it says if you seek God above all else and you live righteously, well, what's that mean? You're just doing your best to live for God every single day. Are we going to be perfect? No. But that's why Jesus, well, that's why John wrote, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive your sins. So we keep repenting and turning back to God. That's living righteously. We continue to live righteously. And what does it say? He'll give you everything you need. So when you put the kingdom of God above your relationships, Guess what he's going to do? He's going to give you what you need. He's going to give you the person you need, the person he wants. So people always say, how can they get God and the power of God into different areas of their lives? Well, the answer is simply this. You seek God first. You seek God first. You seek him above everything else. Now, these principles we're going to look at, they're for couples, and they're for singles as well. A lot of singles, they'll come, and and they're praying for the one. I just need the one. How many of you in movies? It's just one, you know. I forget one movie she was just looking for her one and only she had a five page list of what he had to meet you know and and all that, but you're looking for that one and uh and and so you know you come looking for that and and you're just not going to find that I mean, but you know he, he, here's the thing. how many of you remember this line? I'm just looking for the person who will complete me, you know I mean you know tom Tom, whatever his name is, Tom Cruise is you complete me, folks, that's flawed theology, only God can complete you, okay? No person, if you, if you try and make a person complete you, they will never live up to that. They will never be able to do that. You're going to be disappointed, you know, and uh, it doesn't matter who you put up there uh, in that, but, uh, you know, it, it just won't work. It's a flawed concept, right? You might want to write this down. Anything you idolize, and that's what it is. When you put somebody in the place of God... Anything you idolize other than God, you will eventually demonize. Anything you idolize other than God, you will eventually demonize. Now, they're going to leave that up on the screen for you to write that down. And why? Why is that? Because no one but God is fit to be idolized. Nobody but God is fit to be idolized. It it doesn't matter who they are what they are. It could be, I mean... Think about the Saints. I mean, some people live to watch the Saints in this town. I mean, there is no other, maybe Green Bay might be close. City that's like about their football team the way New Orleans is about their football team. We love them and we hate them, right? I mean, Sean Payton's the only coach that's ever taken us consistently to the playoffs. Some of y'all young people, y'all don't remember the bag days, okay? I, I mean, where everybody went to the Dome wearing a paper bag. And and, and so I remember those days and and But you just remember Sean Payton where they've been the winningest football team in football for the last 10 years. That, that But you don't remember those days when, when I mean, Buddy Deliberto, who was a Saints sportscaster, got kicked off the Saints plane. They left him somewhere. I mean, you know, it's just a love-hate anything you idolize. Well, you'll always demonize. They're going to let you down. And, and here's kind of the way it is and uh, you know, where we work it, the guy, you know, you meet a girl and... And man, and, and you say, man, you know, she just, she has it together. She's got, she's so organized, everything's organized. And then, you know, you marry her and 10 years later you go, oh man, she's a control freak. I can't do anything to please her. You know, some of y'all know I'm, I'm telling the truth. And ladies, you know, when you met him, you're going, he's so calm. He's so laid back. I mean, he can just put up with me. Ten years later, you're going, he's a bump on a log. He's a couch potato. I can't get him to do anything. You know what I mean? You know, and, and what you idolize, you demonize. And, and, and so what do we do about it? Well, one, number one, you cannot put anybody in a position that only God can be in. You know, you listen, you want something uh, from them that only God can give. And, and God is the only one that can complete you. The pressure is too much. They can't live up to that. And, and listen to me, the reason... You can, that you expect it from them is you really don't have it in your God. Let me say that again. The reason you expect it from them is you really don't have it in your God because when you have it in your God, you don't need it from anybody else. And, uh, and so that's where we want to get to be, and that's why we're talking about this today. So the principle, I want you to write this down, is God is my one, and my spouse is my two. God is my one. And my spouse is, is my two, not my job, not my, not my kids, not my grandkids, but my spouse is number two. But, but your spouse is number one. God is your one, and your spouse is my two. You're sitting here going, well, I'm a single person. How does that play out? So look at this one. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. What does that mean? It you, means you're going to focus on the Lord. You're going you're to focus on the Lord, not on finding a spouse. If you're single, you put God first. And uh, when you do that, he'll get active in finding you that right person and bringing that right person because just when you're not looking, he's going to bring somebody. But when you, when you get focused on finding a spouse, uh, you know, you get, get a little desperate. When you're focused on God, you become attractive because you become the person that other people are looking for, Right? I mean, you're faithful in church, you're letting God work in your life, and God prepares you uh, for that person, and God's power goes into motion. Too often when we're single, we think, one day I'm going to settle down, especially when you're young singles. I know some older ones think this way too. One day I'll settle down and get married and do the church thing, but right now I'm just going to have some fun. And it's kind of a common pattern, but it's a destructive pattern. And and Andy Stanley tells a story that uh, that just says better than I can say he says, there was this young girl. She's a very committed Christian. And when she went away to college, she did what a lot of college students do. First, she gave in a little bit to some peer pressures. She started going to some parties and mingling. Uh, then she went, what started as having a drink every now and then gradually melted into more and more. After a while, she tried a few drugs here and there too. Of course, she met a lot of guys, which kind of evolved into guy after guy after guy after guy. Then, without realizing what was happening to her, she gradually set into a lifestyle A very destructive sin. Even as all this was going on, somewhere in the back of her mind, she kept thinking, I still believe in God. I'd I'd still like to have a godly marriage one day. Sometime, Sometime I'll go back and do what I know is right. But in the meantime, she continued right on living her destructive lifestyle. As fate would have it, one day a friend of hers introduced her to a guy out in front of the student union. He was everything she'd ever hoped for in a potential husband. He was godly. He was a terrific leader. He even discipled other young men. He was already using his gifts to try and make a difference in the world, and he was beginning what looked like was going to be a very promising career. She felt like they really hit it off, and she talked to him every chance she got after a few weeks. She was at home one weekend, and she told her mom, I'm pretty excited I met this guy at school. He's everything I ever wanted. He's godly, kind, and wise. He's just perfect. He's exactly the kind of guy I've always wanted to marry. I think I might be the... He might be the one for me, Mom. I'm thinking about letting him know how I feel. The girl's mother frowned, and as lovingly as she could say, Oh, sweetheart, if this boy is everything you say he is, I think you really need to be honest with yourself. A young man like that probably isn't looking for a girl like you. The worst thing about that story is true. The truth of the story is like attracts like. It doesn't matter what you want. It's what you're like. If you hope to have a godly marriage, start living a godly life now. You know, become the kind of person that you would want to marry and do it now. If you want to marry someone that has 15 different sex partners, go ahead. But if you want to marry someone who's sold out to Jesus, who seeks God every day, who, you need to become that person today. And you can do that starting today. See, when you give up, God will get involved in your life and, and bring you the person that you want. If you'll just keep Jesus as your focus, he will bring that person to you. Tell God, I just want to press into you. And and don't worry about finding the one. And when you do that, God's going to bring somebody into your life. I mean, when uh, I met Kathy, it was all about business. Y'all believe that, right? And uh, it was for her. Uh, you know, she wasn't looking for anybody. And I was just dating around. And I mean, I, met, I, I liked working with at-risk kids. And so... I had some really good non-church kid material uh, in my repertoire, and so I said I'm going to bring this to her. And we, we had a power lunch, and and then we went, we actually went on a date, and and uh, and you know, and she wasn't looking for anybody. She'd tell her friends, "He's just Mr. Right now," and uh, you know, and not Mr. Right. That says he Mr. Right. He can't be Mr. Right. She go, oh, no, no, he's just Mr. Right now. I'm not looking for that. And then uh, you know, finally, I just stuck around long enough. It took me nine years uh, to talk her into seeing me as Mr. Wright, and we, we finally got there. One guy was so satisfied with, with being a single guy in ministry that an older minister friend of his said, Look, have you considered my daughter? And he said, Well, no, not really. She's a little younger than me. He said, Well, I want you to take her out. And so he took her out, and then they went out again, and then went out again. And 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 he told this kid, said, Look, if you feel like you can't live without her, you call me up. And they went to Germany as missionaries. And, and, uh, and so one day he was sitting at a red light, and God said, Look, this is the... This, is, this girl has got every quality you could ever possibly want. And so he called this guy and said, you know, I don't think I can live without your daughter. He said, well, then buy a ring. Come to Germany. And he said, I'm so glad. She said, yes, that's a long way to go and be told no, you know. But, uh, but you know, so, and they've been married for a long, long time now. So he wasn't looking, but God brought her to him. And that's what will happen. That's what will happen when uh, when you stop looking. So. Uh, you say, "Well, I'm married already. How does that work?" Well, read this one. I will seek the one with my two. I will seek the one with my two. Now that means that that we seek God together, and it's important to keep God number one and not put your spouse as number one. Uh, you know, I've seen that happen so many times where that spouse they put them in that idolatry seat, and it just does not work. So, you, and you don't put your kids at number two. Some people have put kids. Ahead of the spouse. Uh, listen, you, you've always got to be the spouse number two behind God. I, had a, I have a friend of mine, his, his uh, son, he raised boys, and one of his sons had, had talked back to his mother, and, and, and my friend put him on the ground. I won't tell you exactly how he did that, but he put him on the ground. He said, you're not talking to my wife that way. I know that's your mama, but that's my wife, and she's going to be with me after you're gone. Guys, you put your wife number two. My daddy told my brother and me, he said, boys, y'all do wrong. You do wrong, you're going to get a whipping. The lie, I'm going to tear you up. If you talk back to your mama, I'm going to beat the hell out of you man to man. It's like, okay, I had the little whippings. I don't want the beating. And, 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 and at 99, we'd never talk back to my mama. And I mean, way. we might have corrected her on some things, but never talk back to mama. I was afraid daddy would come up out of the grave or he'd get God to send a lightning bolt on me or something, you know. But, but uh, you know, that spouse has got to be number two. But you're going to seek God together. You're going to seek God together. Most people don't do that. That's why just as many Christians get divorced as non-Christians. So when you and your spouse or your boyfriend, uh, you know, you cannot put them number one. It's God first and then your spouse number two. And so we're going to look at how that looks and how to do that. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, you don't put your job at number two. You don't put your career. When you get married, your career automatically goes behind that spouse. That doesn't mean you don't pursue your dreams but that spouse has got to be your number two. It's riding in your shotgun seat right there. So we're going to look at some from this day forward principles. And, and, uh, and interestingly enough, these principles come from Harvard Business School. I put that in your outline. A Harvard study revealed that only one out of 1,246 couples got a divorce if they did three simple things on a regular basis. Now, that's Harvard. 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 I mean, you know, it it's like it's not like it's a Christian organization. It's not. It's about as far from it as you can as you can be. But they did this study and here's what they said. Now, now listen, if if I could if I could say, look, you're going to get on this this plane. You're going to get in this relationship and there's a 50-50 chance you're going to divorce or there's a 50-50 chance you're going to wreck your car on Manhattan or there's a 50-50 chance you're going to crash in that plane. If I could change it, so there's a 99% chance you're going to make it. Would you take those odds? That's what Harvard Business School is saying here. So let's look at these. Harvard Business School said couples that pray together stay together. They said, number one, you pray together. So write that down. They pray together. The couple that prays together stays together. And most people think, well, faith and prayer and all that kind of stuff is private. Jesus never intended to be private. He said, let your light shine for everybody to see. And, uh, and, and he said, you go into the world and be my witnesses. We're not supposed to shut up about our faith. Our culture wants us to. What does culture say? Religion and politics. Well, you just keep your politics to yourself. But let me tell you, my faith is open for everybody. And God wants us to talk about that. And, and so that includes with your spouse. Look look what, what the, uh, James, the half-brother of Jesus said, confess your sins to one another, pray, for each other. Right there, uh, underline that. Pray for each other. Then he said the earnest prayer of this kind of person has great power. And see, see God is at each other. He said pray for each other. God's at each other kind of God. So pray for each other. Now, praying together doesn't mean that you've got to hold hands, look in each other's eyes for an hour and pray together. But you pray for each other d- during the day. Maybe you know your husband or your wife has a meeting and and they go, in, and I'll pray for Kathy. She'll tell me. And I need to probably do more of this where I send her a text say, hey, praying for you. She tells people, usually at one or two a day, that their mom died while they're locked up in jail, or their wife died, or their child died, or their brother died. And, and, and she has seen people fall into the floor in a puddle of tears. She's seen people beat on a brick wall uh, with their fists as hard as they can. She's seen all kinds of reactions, and so... Uh, I probably need to text her more, so y'all tell me, ask me when you're texting me. Have you texted your wife today? But we need to pray, bring prayer into our relationships, prayer into our relationships in, in some kind of way. You know your husband's got a meeting today? Text him. I'm praying for you that your meeting goes well. You know, even even your kids, if you're getting the kids ready for school, if you're not ready to just say it, lay hands on them and pray for them, maybe when you're praying over the food and Lord... Bless my children today while they're in school. Protect them. Guide them. Let them learn. Whatever. You know, just bring prayer into it in a way. Now, let me give a warning. If you're single, uh, it's good to have prayer time with other singles, but uh, just just make sure you're doing it in a public place and not on the couch. If you're praying together on the sofa, y'all might find yourself speaking in tongues, but it's not holy tongues. I mean, you know, um, because prayer leads to Intimacy. So I know all the guys are planning on going home and praying this afternoon, right? And, uh, and so, uh, but just be, be careful if you're single. Uh, you want to stay in a public place. Prayer is intimate and it's bonding and it leads to other kinds of intimacy. I can't tell you how many Christian kids I've known in youth groups around this city that were leaders in their youth group. They're dating somebody, they're having Bible study together, they're praying, and all of a sudden one of them's pregnant. Because prayer leads to another kind of intimacy. And, uh, and so just be careful. The second thing Harvard Business School said to do first is pray together. The second is discuss the Bible together. Discuss the Bible together. I'm not saying you got to read it together. Some people like that. Some people don't. Uh, you know, um, uh, some people, I mean, I'll, you read to be too long, I might go to sleep. But, uh, but you know, it, it's like, but but read together. And if you're reading, say, for instance, a one-year Bible, Pastor Kathy will say, what would you think about, about what this happened, you know, in one of our readings, I'll just go, I'm glad I wasn't him. You know, or, you know, or you're looking at some of these Old Testament things where God smote people. I mean, you know, I don't want to get smoted. I don't know about y'all. But, uh, you know, or, or you just discuss it some kind of way. Discuss the Bible together. Maybe you're reading one of our devotionals and there's something interesting in there and, and you talk about that just in normal conversation. That's what Deuteronomy says to do. He said, commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. And here's how you do that. He said, repeat them again and again and again. You know why you got to repeat them again and again and again? Because we forget them again and again and again, right? We forget them. So you repeat them over and over and over again. He said, talk about them when you're at home. Talk about them when you're on the road. That means you're driving them to school. You talk about, the, you know, just bring it in there some kind of way. You did not have to be a sermon. did doesn't have to be a formal Bible study. Uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't need to be judgment, you know, and all that. But talk about it when you're on the road. Talk about it when you're going to bed and getting up. You just bring the Word of God into your discussion in, in different ways. You talk about it. You talk about it. And, uh, you know, one way you can do it together is is in a group when we get some groups going. But, um, but you want to be in a way where you can talk about the Bible together. Uh, the third thing. So that's the first. First is prayer. The second thing is discuss the Bible together. The third thing is attend church. Well, I'm speaking to the choir because you're here, right? Those of you online, at least you're almost here. You're online with us. And, and so we appreciate that. But he says attend church together. And remember, this is Harvard Business School. This is not a church denomination that did this survey. This is a secular university. And said uh, said so attend church together. And uh, but, but it's talking about not just every now and then. You know, and so it's talking about faithfully attend church together. And here's my challenge for you is, is make make attending church a we don't miss it kind of thing. Make it make it that kind of priority where it's a we don't miss church kind of thing. I mean, uh, you know, make it that, that kind of priority. I used to go to Saints games. When I worked in hospital work, I bought millions of dollars of stuff every year. So I had vendors. They would just bring me. You know, of course, back then they would almost pay you to take the Saints tickets off their hands, but, but uh, they would bring me Saints tickets. They'd bring me LSU tickets. I sat on the 50-yard line, LSU, Alabama one year, and uh, unfortunately we lost. But, um, but you know, I would, but here's the thing with the Saints games. I never, ever saw a kickoff, and most of the time I didn't see the first quarter. Why? Because I went to church. That was my priority, and it would have been my priority if it had been any good as well. And, uh, you know, and so my priority was go to church, get fed. A lot of times I'd go eat with uh, my friends after church and maybe bring two or three of them with me to the game. But I never saw, why? Because church had been a, make it that kind of priority. Attending church doesn't mean, hey, I'm going to go if the weather's okay. It's kind of raining, so I can't do anything else. I guess I'll go to church. It's raining too hard, so I'm not going to go to church. When you do that, when you don't come to church because of bad weather, don't pop up on Facebook somewhere doing something fun. When you could have been at church, just kind of hide it, you know, right there. That way, uh, you know, we don't, It doesn't, it's like a pastor that went out and played golf one time on Sunday. He was skipping church, so he wasn't preaching, and, and he hit a hole in one. Who's he going to tell? He can't tell anybody, right? And, uh, and so, you know, just don't do that. But, but uh, you know, so you know, it doesn't mean just coming when the weather's good. It doesn't mean, hey, look, I'm going to go to church if I don't have anything better to do. We, we all know people, you're always looking for something better to do, right? Uh, we've got people, we've, we've said, hey, y'all want to go eat? And they'll say, well, let me let you know. That means you're looking for other options, okay? And, uh, and so, you know, uh, you know so, but look, I was raised this way. I mean, we didn't miss church. I think the only time I got to miss church as a teenager, my mother let me go home with some friends and watch uh, White Christmas with Bing Crosby. Once out of 52 Sundays, okay? And, and let me, we just went to church. Now, my sweet little mama... Uh, we took the car away from her when she was 97. So somewhere between 97 and 99, my cousin didn't show up to take her to church. Well, she still had her car keys, and guess what she did? She, she didn't sneak. She just walked right out the front, closed and locked the door behind her, got in her little car, and drove it to church because my mama was not going to miss church. And that's uh, and just the way I was raised. And so you make it that we're not going to miss kind of priority in your life. Jesus did the same thing. Look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He said, when he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as what? As usual to the synagogue. And in other words, Jesus went to church as usual on the Sabbath. He stood up and read the scriptures. Jesus made it a habit to go to church. And so why did he do that? Well, Psalms says this, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord builds your relationship The work of the builder is wasted. Unless the Lord builds your career, the the work of the builder is wasted. The Lord has got to be the one building it. Unless the Lord protects your relationship, guarding it with centuries is useless. I mean, you've got to have the Lord in there, and so going to church together is important. You've got to get God involved in your relationships, in your marriages, in every area of your life. And, uh, and so you just got to do that. So we've got to live a different kind of life. Because if we just live like culture, our relationships are going to be in that 50-50 range. But if we'll do these three things, even Harvard recognizes that we'll be a 99% chance of making it, and of making it. And so write this down. I know some of y'all are wondering when I'm going to get to that last little blank. So write this down. The number one essential of any healthy relationship is living a God-first life. The number one essential of a healthy career is a God-first life. The number one essential of a healthy marriage is a God-first life. You've got to live a God-first God life. I want you to bow your heads. Let's close your eyes. Let me talk to you. This all starts with you coming to know Christ as your Savior. You coming to know Christ as your Savior. I wouldn't have the band come on up and... Uh, they will play something here in a minute. But I want to give you a chance. I want to give you a chance. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, I want to give you a chance of knowing Him as your Savior. Because, see, it all starts. You, you, when you're seeking God, He said, seek me and you'll find me. So when you seek Him above all else, you will find Him. And, uh, and so we want you to find God this morning. If you're watching, it just is, is not any... Hoops, you have to jump through. You don't have to be baptized to to be saved. That's a great thing to do is to follow through in baptism. But I want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ this morning because the Bible says that he said to all who receive Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. I want to to be in the family. And so just pray silently this prayer with me. Dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross from my sin come into my life and be my savior and be my Lord Jesus as best I can I turn to you give me the power of your Holy Spirit to do the things that you're leading me to do in Jesus name amen if you prayed that prayer God just came into your heart and forgave you of your sins and he'll give you the power to live for him here's the thing, you know, salvation is basically reordering your priorities where you're putting God first. And so we're going we're to sing and we're going to have a time here at the altar where we're going to give you a chance to make some commitments. And, and maybe you're here today and, 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 and you would say, hey, look, you know, I hadn't done so good. I've been doing all right, but I know I can do better. And so from this day forward, I'm going to seek God with my two. Uh, if you're single and you're saying, hey.